Oh, hello. You've caught me practicing my harvesting techniques. Well, I say harvesting. That's what the Pharisees claimed that the disciples were doing when they had a go at Jesus and his followers for chewing on the wheat grains that day. Breaking Sabbath rules, that's what they were doing. We do need to keep these people on the straight and narrow, you know. What a shame that the Jewish religious leaders felt it was necessary to make an issue of something so petty. Particularly because when you look at the heart of what the law was actually about, Jesus and his disciples were in fact doing nothing wrong. The Levitical requirements actually placed an obligation on farmers to leave the edge of the fields unploughed so that travellers and those in need would be able to benefit from the crop that grew there. But the Pharisees wouldn't want to allow the true spirit of the law to get in the way of their precious rules now, would they? And harvesting was one of the 39 categories of activity that they decided shouldn't be allowed on the Sabbath. It's all about the letter of the law, is what they'd say to this so-called teacher. And anyway, who does he think he is to be breaking Sabbath rules like that? Yes, who indeed... I wonder if you've ever found yourself in a place where you've been very sure of your ground and you're definitely right about something and you're happy to stand up against anyone who expresses a different opinion, to challenge or even accuse them. You might be right, of course, but then, on the other hand... You know, the Pharisees thought that their rules and regulations had an answer for everything and they couldn't accept Jesus because he didn't fit into their system. But had they ever stopped to consider the rightness of their system in the first place? Had it become warped away from God's heart and towards a more self-serving agenda? Jesus was probably encouraging the Pharisees to consider those sorts of questions when he referred them to the incident in 1 Samuel chapter 21 where David and his followers were so hungry that they ate the consecrated bread that had been reserved for the priests. The point he was making, of course, was that ceremonial regulations, helpful though they are in the right context, shouldn't be prioritised over the needs of those who could benefit from practical help. In God's agenda, religiosity should never stand in the way of helping those in need. Perhaps I could ask if there are times maybe when we miss Jesus or miss out on him because we limit him we put him in a conveniently sized box that we feel we can handle. Do we try to contain him within the familiarity of our ways and traditions, even our rules, when we might perhaps more valuably be considering how much bigger he is than all of that 
and whether our actions or words or attitudes are actually serving to hinder rather than embrace kingdom values. Have we ever allowed rules to trump relationships when our higher calling was to demonstrate care and compassion? Eddie Askew, in one of his books, reflects on the criticism that the Pharisees so often levelled at Jesus when he wrote these words. Did they never realise that, in their ready condemnation of Jesus, they merely judged themselves? In judging you, Lord, they lost their grasp on God by holding him too tight within the boundary of their rules. You know, reading the scripture passage through again, you just get this sense of an easy, naturally comfortable relationship between Jesus and his disciples as they amble along together, picking at the ears of wheat on the periphery of the field as they wander along. It's a gentle scene, unhurried, relaxed, happy in each other's company. If I compare that to the approach of the Jewish leaders towards Jesus, suspicious, threatened and threatening, critical and nitpicky, out to find fault, then the contrast couldn't be more obvious, could it? I wonder if we can see ourselves here at all. I found myself thinking about the difference in Old and New Testament covenants, how the attitude of the Pharisees reflected an Old Testament observance of the law, and how this compares to the release that Jesus came to bring. Release for the captives, release from guilt and the consequences of the law, release into a new covenant a new freedom marked by grace and made possible by love. A freedom that he wants for us all. I wonder if that's what the man whose withered hand was healed had a sense of. I wonder if Jesus concluded that this man's need of healing, of release from pain and the burden of his condition that that was of greater importance than following man's interpretation of a law that had become distorted, a law that originally had goodness and blessing at its heart. Perhaps that's why he asked his accusers, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? As was often the case, they had no answer for him. What answer could they possibly give? Jesus knew their hearts, and they knew that he knew. They weren't seeking the blessing that Jesus sought to bring. They had murder on their hearts, and their fury grew. Jesus, by contrast, once said, I have come 
that they might have life and life in all its fullness. So who does Jesus think that he is defying the rule makers like this? Well, the irony of it hits you in the face, doesn't it? And in Mark's Gospel's account of this incident, Jesus not only puts them straight on what the Sabbath was really about, but makes it entirely clear who it is that they're challenging. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I wonder how far we have decided his authority extends in our lives. Is he someone to be listened to or perhaps taken account of? Is he Lord of my Sabbath, deserving of my Sunday observance? Or does his authority, his claim on my life, extend further than that? Is he, in fact, Lord of my life? The one who wants to bring hope and healing and freedom and fulfilment to every withered aspect of who I am, to every aspect of who we are as a church. The answer to that question probably depends on who we've concluded that he really is, his true identity. The Pharisees seemed too full of their own importance to see the reality of who stood before them and rejected him entirely was their conclusion. But the one they rejected is the same one who, after the resurrection, declared, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's why it's his way that matters. It's his values that count. It's his priorities that we seek to honour. Worshipping and serving him is our highest goal. I've been part of this fellowship long enough to have recognised that there's a desire here to follow Jesus with all our hearts, relying on the empowering of the Holy Spirit to help us in our quest to live out kingdom values and to proclaim the Lordship of Jesus whenever and wherever we can. More love and less law. More grace and less governance. Stronger relationships and fewer rules. Walking contentedly in fellowship with the Messiah is an honour and a privilege, a calling that binds us together in thanksgiving and praise as we reach out in faith to embrace life in all its fullness, hand in hand with the Lord. Are you up for that journey? Now, back to my harvesting.